The singing of the doxology by the PCC student body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. James chapter 4 in your Bible with me, please. James chapter 4. Glad to be here. Loving to see the college filled up. Want to say a special word of welcome to the young people who are visiting for college days. You're in a very good place, and I think a place that God could use in your life. Pray about it. Get to know what would be the Lord's will for you, and then make a good decision in regard to that. James 4 in your Bible with me. So how many of you young people would say this? Growing up, people would ask you, especially your parents. Your parents would ask you sometimes a question. You'd come home from school, and they would ask you the question, what did you learn in school today? Anyone have that happen? Okay, five of you, the rest of you were homeschooled. <laughs> Your parents never asked that question because they knew you didn't learn anything. And so, <laughs> so they just knew that was the way it went. But, uh, but, and, and sometimes I'll ask these questions. When I was asked that as a young person, as a, a kid, and then later as a young person, what did you learn in school today? It always stumped me because I couldn't really remember what I learned, but eventually I suppose I picked up something. But there's another question that's like that, and the question is this. So they will ask you this when you're young, and you probably, some of you probably still get this question, what do you want to be someday? What do you want to be someday? And, and for some of you, your mind is racing, humanities majors especially, but your mind is racing, and you want to know, what in the world do I want to do someday, or what do I want to be someday? May I suggest to you this morning that that question, what do you want to be someday, is not a very good question. In fact, it's really not, in many ways, a biblical question. It's also a question that you can only answer with a great level of uncertainty. But there is a much better question that I want to ask you this morning. We're going to focus on it for a moment. What are you doing today? Not what do you want to be someday. You see, there is something that I call Sunday syndrome that really possesses a lot of people. They'll use the word someday in a hopeful way to project what one day they hope to be. And they'll say something like this, well, someday I want to be famous. By the way, not really a good goal. Someday I want to be rich. Not really a good goal either. Someday I want to be a better Christian. Now there's a good goal. But they'll say someday I want to do this. Someday, should we even go there? Someday I want to lose weight. Oh, yeah, yeah, every New Year's rolls around. How many of y'all make New Year's resolutions? Two of you? How many of you are comatose this morning? Raise your hand, please. Okay, <laughs> a few of you. We get the idea, and really, truly, we placate ourselves whenever we use the word someday in relationship to the future. We, we make ourselves comfortable. Now, your Bible is open to James chapter 4. I want us to read. We'll begin at verse 13. James and 4, verse 13. Familiar to most of you. The Bible says this. Go to now, ye that say, and this is what these people are saying in their hearts, today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. They're projecting into the future. Verse 14, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, 
For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Now, I do want to point something out. God is not against your having a plan. He's not against that. In fact, you need to have a plan. But what God is saying here is this. Don't make your plan so ironclad that you eliminate me from the equation. Verse 15, what we ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boasting. See, that's the problem. That's the problem. These people are saying, well, someday, in their case, it was tomorrow. Tomorrow, we're going to go into such a city. We're going to buy and sell. We're going to be successful. We're going to get great gain over the year that we're going to be there. He says in verse 16 that to rejoice in boasting is evil. Verse 17 summarizes the entire argument. Therefore, and by the way, verse 17 seems a little out of place. It's, if you're reading, the, the, you're getting the train of thought, And then all of a sudden, verse 17, how does that fit? But he says, based upon what he said before, therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is sin. I want to convey this morning to you young people that the word someday is a lie that we tell ourselves. It gives us a level of comfort. It assuages our conscience. It gives us a false sense of hope. In a very real sense, the word someday for some of us is, in reality, a drug that prevents us from seeing the reality of the now. Now, I think that our text is very clear about how we're to view the future and how we're to relate the future to the present. I'm going to give you several ideas from the text that I want to be really practical with you this morning. First thing I want you to see is this. It is foolish to boastfully plan. It is foolish to boastfully plan, to to make a plan, but then to have come to the conclusion that this plan is going to work, and we're going to succeed, and it will be fabulous, so we're boasting about what we are going to do. Dr. Arlen Horton, the founder of this institution, was frequently said this. He said, we don't predict what God will one day do, but we thank him for what he has already done. That really is scriptural and based upon our passage. It's crazy for me to boast and and to say that, well, my plans are going to go exactly according to plan. 35 years in ministry, do you know what I know? Plans don't go exactly according to plan. Do you know why? There is a God in heaven who has a bigger plan than anything I could possibly see. It's foolish to boastfully plan. Now, I mentioned a moment ago, it's good to plan. There's an example of this in the New Testament. Paul, when he was writing his epistles, he would say sometimes, you know, I'm going to come visit you, or I'm going to try to visit you, and he would lay out travel plans. Sometimes the travel plans worked, and sometimes they didn't. It wasn't wrong to have a plan, but to boast as if you've accomplished something by having a plan is problematic. To boast of that, well, my accomplishment is a great plan. There are a lot of people that are satisfied with a plan who never accomplish anything in their lives. So it is foolish to boast about planning. Number two, the Bible tells us the future cannot be predicted. Look at verse number 14. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. You don't know. Here's what I know. Life can change in an instant. Life can turn on a dime. And there is a God in heaven who is controlled, but oftentimes the least expected thing becomes our reality. 
It's foolish to boast about these things, and it's foolish because the future cannot be predicted. Now, that doesn't deter you from having a plan. I'm glad to see so many young people here for college days because it's obvious to me that they're at least thinking about a plan or or maybe just a fun college trip, I don't know, but hopefully they're getting a vision for some kind of plan in their life. But you can't predict everything about the future. Sometimes we wish we could. We could control that, but we can't. A third idea from the text is this, that life doesn't last long enough for someday. Look at again at verse 14. Whereas you know not what shall be of the morrow, you can't predict the future. Look what it says. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Life doesn't last long enough for someday. Well, Pastor Juan, you know, I'm, I'm young, and so someday I will do this, 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 and this. If you're satisfied with only the word someday, you will never accomplish the goal. The future is made out of the material that I work on today. Now, not entirely, because there are forces beyond my control. But I must be doing something today if I'm to expect something to happen tomorrow. And life isn't long enough for someday. There are some people that live their whole lives thinking, someday I'm going to enjoy life. I had a man in my church years ago uh, who came. He and his wife came. He was a banker, a very successful banker. And he had done everything right. He'd paid off his house in record time. He made all the investments, saved all the money. You might say he was kind of a penny pincher. He was kind of cheap. He made a lot of money, but he, made, but he was cheap with his money. And he would always tell his wife when she wanted something, honey, let's just hold off on that. When I retire, we're going to have a fortune, and we're going to travel the world, and we're going to spend this money, and we're going to have a great time. By the way, that, that's horrible thinking. As a pastor, I know this. By the time you hit retirement age, you'll be lucky if you can walk. <laughs> just, just, just joking, I just offended people. <laughs> no. But the man had this plan. He retired. About two months after his retirement, something like that, he, he, he and his wife called. They said, Pastor, we need to see you in, in the office. I, they came to the office. He told me this. He said, um, he said, I've just been diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. I said, can you be treated? He said, I'll take a treatment. He took a treatment. The treatment was so severe that he didn't want to take any more. He called me after that treatment several weeks later. He said, Pastor, is it wrong for me to refuse treatment? I said, no, no, it's, it's not wrong. He said, I can't handle the treatment. Within just a matter of a couple months after the initial meeting in my office, that man was dead and gone. May I make a statement? Someday never came for him. Oh, Pastor Monty, that's, that's not my issue. I'm very young. One of the great tragedies of my life has been, on several occasions, to bury teenagers. Teens who you would think had their whole lives ahead of them. Oh, there's plenty of time for all of that. And they didn't have time for all of that. So we need to remember that life doesn't last long enough for someday. Don't be guilty of someday syndrome. Everything, according to Scripture, here's another idea, is subject to God's will. Look at verse 15. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. So understand, now, now number one, if the Lord will, we shall live. By the way, the fact that you're here today is a gift from God. 
The Lord willed that you would live. It is a gift from God. And if the Lord will, we shall do this or that. In other words, we're subject to the will of God. We've got a plan and we're going to mold that plan. By the way, we're going to be flexible in that plan for whatever God brings our way because he may have something different for us. Everything is subject to God's will. That means that, number five, it is wrong to talk about what you're going to do. Just do it. Now, here's the problem. And I want to get to the heart of the problem, and then I'm going to deal with some practical ideas. The problem is this. We talk very well. In the words of the Bible, we boast very well. But sometimes our performance is lacking. Sometimes our motivation isn't quite there. Sometimes we can get ourselves all excited about the latest plan, but it never goes beyond the excitement of the latest plan. It's wrong to talk about what you're going to do, just do it. And then, interestingly enough, verse 17, and I want to tie this in. After teaching all of those principles, verse 17, James says, Therefore, therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is what? Wow. Look at me. Therefore. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. sin. I want you to notice something about verse 17. That's the idea is the present moment. All the way up until that time, he's been talking about what we plan or boast about for our futures. And then he says, based upon all these facts, the uncertainty of the future and all the things we've mentioned, based upon all of that, James brings it right down to a cogent point. Therefore, if we're failing to act now, if we're not doing the right thing now, if we're not investing our time now, therefore, Tim, that knoweth to do good. Hey, your plan is good. Your ideas are good. Therefore, Tim, that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. I love talking to young people in a Christian college because you're here to forward and advance your future. Pastor Money, I've got all kinds of dreams. I'm glad you have a dream. But what are you doing today? What are you doing right now? Well, Pastor Money, I'm, I'm formulating my plan for success. Wonderful. But what steps are you taking right now toward that? I want to be really practical and give you some ideas. First of all, you need to take into account the brevity of life. Don't count on tomorrow. This point was driven home to me this past summer. My wife and I were up in St. Joe, Michigan. What a beautiful, beautiful place. It's the Caribbean of the Midwest. We were up in St. Joe, Michigan. And we were sitting at a picnic table across from the Holiday Inn that overlooks the lake. It was a beautiful day. We were sitting there just looking at the lake, looking at the water. An older man came up, not much older than I. I'm 56 years young, not much older than I. He came up and started talking to us. He was a, he was a slender man, but you could tell he'd been a hard worker, physical worker, blue-collar worker. You could tell by the way he was dressed. He, he'd been kind of a rough man in his life. Very pleasant person, but you could tell he'd been outside a lot. And he'd worked hard a lot. We got to talking a little bit about him, and he was asking me about a a town in Michigan, Frankenmuth. He was asking me about that town. Man, they have good chicken in Frankenmuth. Anyone ever been to Zender's? God bless you all. I think the marriage supper of the lamb will be patterned after that place. But 
wonderful place. But he, he was asking about that, and, and uh, he said, yeah, I'm, he said, I'm taking my wife there. He said, it's been a, a lifelong dream. And then he said this, but she's back in the, in the hotel room. He said she'd love to see this beautiful day. His name was Rich. Rich said um, she needs to rest now. She can't come out. She hopefully will be able to travel tomorrow. And I said to him, I said, is, is there a problem? He said, yes. He said a month and a half ago she was diagnosed with terminal cancer. He said, I had no idea how quickly it would weaken her body. I had no idea. He said, in our lives, we had a bucket list of plans, things we were going to do. And he said, one of the things on her bucket list was she wanted to go to Frankenmuth. There's a, there's a Christmas-only <clears throat> store, Frankenmuth, uh, Browners or something like that. It's acres and acres of Christmas stuff. And it's open every day except Christmas. Acres of it. May I say something to you men? Don't ever go. So you need to drop your wife off and find something else to do. It's a torture chamber for a man. It's a remarkable place. He said, my wife's always wanted to go there. I said, where do you live? He said, well, we live around the lake. He said, we live in Illinois around the lake. Just really a, a matter of a few hours drive away. He said, I sure hope we can get there tomorrow. He said, because I really want her to see it. And he said, this will be our last trip together. Now, I'll tell you something, young people. Someday doesn't always come. Seizing the moment and seizing the day and recognizing that the dreams that you have or the dreams that God put in your heart are something to work on today is the best answer to the uncertainties of tomorrow. Number two, I want you to consider this. Consider the uncertainties of the future. So Pastor Marty, what, what do you mean about that? Do you ever think we're uh, sometimes too safety conscious? I think we are sometimes. So in my life, I always had this desire to ride a motorcycle. Just wanted to. It was my bucket list thing. But decades passed. In 2017, I was purchasing a new car. I bought, I hate to even confess this, Dr. Atkins. I hate this, what I'm about to say, but confession is good for the soul. I bought a Subaru. Now, you say, Pastor Monty, why in the world would you, a manly man, buy a Subaru? I was vulnerable. <laughs> what else to say? No, I really, I looked at the safety features. Safest car of 2017. Most reliable car of 2017. Best resale value of 2017. Loaded young people with so much technology, it drives me crazy. It is the nanny car of the universe. If it doesn't like how you're driving, it will beep. If you swerve a little bit, it will beep. If you don't connect something right, it will beep. And then when you're driving along, for no apparent reason, you can be in the car for an hour and then this chime goes off. And there's no reason for it. It doesn't tell you anything. It just goes, bing! Like maybe it's trying to wake you up. I don't know what the problem is. It's the nanny car of the universe. But I bought it because of all those cautious and safe reasons. A couple of years ago, I thought, you know what? I'll never see my dream of riding a motorcycle. By the way, may I make a statement? Not just any motorcycle, a Harley. Oh, yeah. 
I mentioned to a friend, I said, hey, I'd love to learn how to, I never rode a bike in my life. I'd love to learn how to ride a Harley. And he, he's like, oh, man, preach. I'll look one up. I'll, I'll look online. He calls me one day. He's like, Monty, he said, there's this great deal over on the south side of town. You've got to go see it. I went to see it. I bought it. What did you do? I let him drive it home. <laughs> Didn't know how to drive it. I took a class. Now, I will get, tell you this. I'm the most cautious Harley driver on the road. But do you know what happened? I stepped out of my comfort zone and I turned a someday into today. And I'm glad I've done that as long as I survive. I'm glad I've done that. Don't fool your conscience with the empty promises to self that I'll be faithful someday. I'll start tomorrow. When I was a student in Bible college, I had a roommate who was uh, studying for Christian ministry. And in the college that I went to, you were not required to attend Sunday night church. You only had to go Sunday morning to their church, and then you could, uh, you could skip Sunday night church. And I wasn't used to skipping Sunday night. I never skipped Sunday night. I wanted to be in church. But my roommate, who was a year older than, than I, he would come to me and he'd say, he'd say, Mahani, he'd say, uh, you know, I'm not going to church tonight. And I'd call him by name and I'd say, why not? He said, because I'm going to study. I'm going to study. And I would always nag him about coming to church. I wanted him to come. I said, you need to come to church. I said, you're going to be a pastor and you're not coming to church? I, I put the pressure on. I said, come on to church. One day he got real frustrated with me and he said this. He said, listen, he said, God didn't call me to go to church. He called me to study. Baloney, baloney. And he said, when I'm done with my degree and I'm pastoring, then I'll be in church. Let me tell you something. That young man never became a pastor. Never became. Do you know why? He was guilty of Sunday, someday syndrome. He thought he'll do it someday, but not now. I think we need to stop kicking the can down the road and learn how to make ourselves uncomfortable today. So, so many of us are happy with the mental vision we have of ourselves for the future, but we've taken no corrective step today. Do you have a goal? I'm not going to ask you what your goal is. Do you have a goal? If you do have a goal, it should make you uncomfortable. The first time I ever got on a motorcycle, I was highly uncomfortable. By the way, Dr. Adkins, it was at a training course that was run by Harley, and they give you a motorcycle. It is a glorified dirt bike. I am six foot four, 200 and none of your business pounds. And I'm on this thing with my knees up to my chin. And, but, but the nice thing is, if, if it got out of control, I could just stop it and pick it up. Just a little. It was like a toy. And I, 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 was, training, I was so uncomfortable with that. Do you want to know what was really uncomfortable? When I got on the big bike, I have a Road King Classic. It's beautiful. It has more chrome. It's unbelievable. Black. It's, it's just the, the classic bike. I got on that thing, it weighs 750 pounds. What? Pastor Monty, were you nervous? Scared out of my mind. Do you know what I had to do for the first several months? Dr. Atkins, I had to force myself to do it. Now I love it now. I love just cruising down the road at 30 miles an hour. I love... I, I, <laughs> I love just kicking back and letting the breezes hit my face. I love, I love frustrating the traffic that gets behind me. I <laughs> love it. 
never seen so many hand gestures in my life. I don't know what they mean. I, 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 I love it. But the truth be told, at first I was so uncomfortable, I hated it. And I needed to be uncomfortable for my dream to happen. And listen, young people, I needed to be uncomfortable now. Do you know what the crime is? By the way, some of our parents have done this. They're more concerned about our comfort than they are about our capability. I want my kids capable, not comfortable. The only way to become capable is to become uncomfortable. I had a parent say to me one time, well, you know, I was encouraging the parent to send their kids to a particular youth activity, my out west trip for the boys. We go every year, we have a great time, and I said, hey, uh, your son should come in the Southwest. Well, you know, Pastor Monty, it's, it's, it's up to him. I, I would never make him do something that he's uncomfortable with. What? That is absolutely criminal level parenting. The only way I can grow is to become uncomfortable. The only way I can grow is to do something that is outside of my comfort. Well, Pastor Monty, you know, I'll do that someday. If you're not doing it now, you'll likely never do it. If you're not challenging yourself now, you'll likely never do it. If you're not saying to yourself, what can I do that I don't know how to do, that I could learn that is new, if you don't do it now, it's very unlikely that someday will ever come. But we convince ourselves of this. Don't be satisfied with envisioning a better tomorrow. Don't be satisfied with your dreams. Years ago, my wife and I made a horrible mistake. We bought a fixer-upper. Anyone ever grow up in a family where your parents bought a fixer-upper house? Yeah, yeah. Oh, 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 did it need work. You say, Pastor Monty, do you know how to do that kind of work? The answer would be no. I can hold the dummy end of any board. But do I know how to do that work? No. The answer is, but, but, I convinced myself I can learn. And by the miracle of YouTube University, I will figure it out. And so when we bought that house and you walk in with gleam in your eye and dreams about what it's going to be, we could add a room there and we could take down the wallpaper. Boy, I'll tell you, taking down the wallpaper, that's a chore. I'd rather just take down the drywall and redo. But anyway, you, you know, we could do this, we could do that. And, and, and honey, I'm going to paint this. Oh, that kitchen, you see what a disaster that thing is? We're going to remodel the whole thing. I'm going to rip into it and tear it apart. It's going to be awesome. And so we began. You know, that remodeling steam, you've all watched that show, the, the, the Magnolia people, Chip and Joanna. That's a lot of drama. <laughs> you know what? No remodeling project is like that show. Those people have a thousand people doing all the work while they play with their kids and smile for the camera. But I imagined myself as the new producer of a TV show. Not the Magnolia, but the Monty. Here we are. My enthusiasm for this house project lasted maybe two and a half weeks. Maybe. You said, Pastor Monty, what did you do then? Well, I listened to an awful lot of nagging. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. You know what I did then? I became very happy looking at the potential. Oh, oh I was seated in a disaster. But as long as I had my recliner, I could sit and watch television and say, you know, someday I'm going to paint that wall. 
Someday I'm going to fix that hole in the ceiling. Someday I'm going to replace that door. Someday I'm going to remodel the whole kitchen. And it was really nice just to sit there in my recliner and watch Chip and Joanna doing all their thing and in my heart saying, someday. Someday doesn't usually come. You say, Pastor, did it get done? No, we sold that house. (laughs) I think we need to stop hoping for miraculous deliverance from our circumstances and make change happen today. Now, why do you look at me? I'm going to tell you something you may be surprised to hear. Passivity is not spiritual. Passivity is not spiritual. Pastor, what do you mean? The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. Oh, I agree with that. Be still and know that I am God, and when you're done doing that, do something. That's the difference. God never called us just, well, Pastor Monty, I'm going to pray and God's going to do it all. Some really good advice I got a long time ago was this. If you ever find yourself in a, in a boat, out in the water, on a storm, you should, you should pray for help, but you should row to shore. I think that's really good advice. In other words, there's God's part and there's my part. The, the connection, the marriage between God's part and my part in Scripture is huge. My mother always put it this way, God will not do for you what you can do for yourself. And I am responsible for obedience, I'm responsible for motivation, I'm responsible for action, and it is after I act that God blesses. It is when I step out in faith that God says, I'm going to bless. Well, Pastor Monty, I, I don't, all I have to do is pray. You believe God is a heavenly lottery ticket. He's not. He expects us to do something. Now, pray yes, pray yes, pray yes. But then beyond that, do something toward your future. We need to stop hoping for this miraculous deliverance from circumstance. Make change happen today. And then I want to say this. We need to stop making excuses. Do you know what an excuse is? An excuse is the skin of a reason stuffed with a lie. And when you make an excuse, everyone knows you're making an excuse. And by the way, you know you're making an excuse. And an excuse doesn't fool anyone, but we're too socially kind to call you out on it. And as you go through life finding that excuses prevent you from having to do anything, you adopt an excuse mentality. Very easy, very easily, you become a victim. And eventually you point to everyone else and you say, well, you know, Back when I, I, my parents didn't do a good job homeschooling me, and so it's their fault. It's not their fault. Well, Pastor Monty, you don't understand. My parents didn't give me all of the opportunity. I wasn't handed a, 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 you know, a silver spoon in my mouth. I wasn't given everything for free. That's probably one of the greatest handicaps any young person can have is to be given everything for free. Pastor Monty, I came from a home that was not Christian. Or I came from a home that was abusive. I want you to hear something. The greatest trophies of my ministry have been young people who came from the darkest of circumstances, who experienced the grace of God in a life-transformative way and said to themselves, 
I'm going to rise above my past. When you make your past a crutch for your failure to do something today, it is impossible for you to succeed. Pastor Monty, someday I'll get over that thinking. Why not today? Why not today? Why not quit thinking someday? Recognize your suffering from someday syndrome. Quit thinking someday. Rather than that, say today. Today I'm going to start eating right. I know, I know someone who says, Pastor Monty, I'm going to jump on that keto diet. <laughs> but I've got to have one more night of donuts. <laughs> it never works. One more night. Next Monday it starts. That's all someday, folks. What about today? What about simply saying, I'm sick of the things as they are now, and I'm going to make personal changes, and I'm not going to put the personal change on a schedule for somewhere down the line. I'm going to do it now. What about that? Pastor Monty, someday I'm going to read my Bible and have devotions. What about today? Pastor Monty, someday I'm going to study more diligently for my classes and get better grades. What about today? So when you comfort yourself with someday, it is an opiate that is going to lead to nothing in your future. But if you wake up and say, by the grace of God, according to God's will, what God wants for me, by the grace of God, I will do today what he expects me to do. You are building the material for a great future. And so in verse 17, James says, therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin, to him it is failure, to him it is victimization, to him it is excuse-making, and to him it is minimal accomplishment. Don't hold on to the word someday. Let it go and make it happen today. You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.